The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shade thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, October 27th, and today is National Civics Day. Oh, yeah. We just saw that yesterday in the house. It's also National Black Cat Day, National Frankenstein Friday. The Olive Garden is going to clean up today because it is also National Breadstick Day. And what goes better with breadsticks other than National American Beer Day and Oh, man, you guys are going to love this, Dr. Sheldon. It's also National Pharmacy Buyer Day. I'm assuming that is for the buyer at all the pharmacies that buys all the drugs, similar to a dispensary. And it Drug is... Drug store. What's that? Drug stores. Oh, national... Paid for by drug insurance. Yes, that's... drug company. That's for sure. And it is also navy day go navy well thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us it's also high noon on the east coast and please remember to like share and subscribe to us on all social media platforms use that fancy little qr code somewhere on your screen to find out where we live on the internet and we're live every monday through friday on youtube and we are all now so also streaming on rumble twitch twitter and facebook so welcome to everyone joining us from all of those audiences but kicking off first we have the dope dad himself it's rico Lemeet, the gout champion of la that's right, here to the save world. the day. Oh, yeah, it is the dope dad himself. It is Rico Lameet. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right, Jason, um, I got a doozy today, man. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> and, um, I'm going to be quick. I abbreviated this one. I highly, highly, highly recommend everybody read the in full article on Hyatt Nine News. Um, because some crazy shit's going down. So if you come across an ad on Craigslist with someone offering to pay you cash just to apply for a cannabis license, it's probably a scam. But hey, it's 2023 and we're not that far off from having a convicted felon running for president from a jail cell against an old man who can barely speak and or walk on his own anymore. Anything's possible in America. Yeah. So I've been working for, uh, with, and adjacent to uh, cannabis social equity applicants and operators since I was first introduced to the concept by Virgil Grant here in Los Angeles back in 2017. Over the years, as social equity has evolved, I've seen scammers and predatory lenders of all sizes and types target eligible applicants in efforts to cheat them out of their fair share of the green gold. But I've never seen anything quite like this. The Missouri Independent did a deep dive yesterday on a Michigan company putting out online ads offering to pay eligible social equity applicants to enter state lotteries. But in fine print in the contracts, it was revealed that said applicants are also forced to relinquish all control and profits if they actually win the licenses. Missouri cannabis micro business licenses are designed to boost opportunities for businesses in disadvantaged communities. And it was part of the constitutional amendment to legalize recreational cannabis uh, that voters passed last year. But folks like 56 year old Rockford, Illinois resident, James Harnden, um, found a way to join the neighboring state's uh, program on Craigslist. 
per the article, Harnden's uh, been a longtime activist for cannabis legalization ever since he got slapped uh, with a low-level felony possession charge for having just an ounce of weed on him. He says that the charge cost him countless job opportunities for 30 years, but earlier this year he saw an advertisement in the Craigslist gigs section posted by a Michigan cannabis real estate group called Canazoned MLS. They were looking for partners who qualify as a social equity applicant to participate in Illinois' lottery to award cannabis business licenses that are, in part, meant to benefit people impacted by marijuana criminalization. The Craigslist ad read like this. If you are eligible and provide the required documentation, we will give you $2,000 just for helping us submit the lottery application. If we win the lottery and secure license, we will give you an additional $20,000. Sounds like a great deal. Harnden says what he didn't realize was that he signed a contract agreeing to hold 100 uh, to hold 100% ownership interest on the application, but that he would not get revenue or profits from the business. After the business passed through all the state and municipal approvals, the contract stated that Harnden would be required to sell his share of the business for $1 to the group or be held in breach of contract. The contract also authorized the group to enter Harnden's information into lotteries for social equity uh, cannabis licenses in other states. And that's how Harnden says he got paid $500 to be part of the lottery for Missouri's micro business license program. Harnden was eligible to apply in Missouri because of his uh, past cannabis charge, which uh, is among seven eligibility categories that also includes living in census tracts with high poverty and, and in unemployment rates. Canazone's Jeffrey Yatuma is listed as the quote-unquote authorized agent on the contract Harnden provided to the independent, leaving a space for his signature at the bottom. Yatuma secured two of the 16 social equity cannabis licenses in Columbia and Arnold, issued earlier this month according to information obtained by the independent through a public records request. Those records show Yatuma is listed as the designated contact for 104 of the uh, 1,048 applications for dispensary licenses in Missouri's uh, lottery. For the article, Yatuma's group was not the only one using the strategy for, of flooding Missouri's lottery with applications to obtain a dispensary license. The Arizona-based consulting firm is connected to more than 400 dispensary applicants, including six winners, and a Missouri firm is connected to more than 80 applicants and two winners. Both said that their clients did not advertise or promise payment for submitting applications. In at least three states holding lotteries for social equity and cannabis licenses this year, Illinois, Maryland, and Missouri, Yatuma's group has offered to pay eligible people up to $2,000 to apply on their behalf and $20,000 more if they win. With the Craigslist ads posted in Missouri, um, you can't see them anymore online, but a screenshot of a similar ad posted by Canazone in Illinois was included in a story by the Chicago Sun-Times. Ads are currently up in Maryland, where the state's social equity cannabis application uh, um, service opens up on November 13th and provided a with a copy of Harnden's agreement. Yatuma claims that his company never signed any agreement um, along the lines of the one that you mentioned. He said that the agreement was part of early business discussions uh, and his group made a similar argument earlier this year when efforts to secure licenses in Illinois faced criticism. The parties never moved forward with the reference document and the states subsequently provided guidance advising on how to structure the partnerships, Yutuma said in an email to the independent. And our experience with new laws is frequently important to begin business discussions and then be prepared to pivot. <laughs> this guy's good. Mm -hmm. Sounds like he has Trump's lawyers and finalize a partnership when new state guidance is announced. Yutuma said that he's aware of the micro-business dispensary licenses uh, must continue to be majority owned by an individual who meets at least one of the eligibility qualifications outlined in the Constitution. The article's pretty lengthy and chronicles several applicants' stories of how they got bamboozled into these schemes, and it's worth checking out at high9news.com when y'all get a chance. As California prepared to legalize adult-use cannabis, the idea of social equity licensure began to catch fire. The world's fifth largest economy was soon to become the world's biggest opportunity for business owners, large and small, to get involved in the green rush. The fact weed was soon to be legal and those who'd given up their freedom for the same businesses that the privileged suburban white men destined to dominate this industry were about to be to price them out of participating in didn't sell, sit well with pretty much anybody except for 
those chats. But since nobody from state to state, municipality to municipality can even agree to what true social equity is or who deserves to qualify, um, we're gonna see more and more scams like this pop up and they're going to evolve. And um, we'll see what happens next. Follow the money. My name is Rigo Lamit for dope, uh, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt Nine News. I'd like to hear what you, you got. What do you get thinking about this, man? Oh man, oh man, I can't wait to hear what Dale has to say about this. Oh boy, but I will say, you know what this reminds me of? This re this reminds me of like social equity applicants like just covering the field at a roulette table, and no matter what number wins, they're winning. Play the field. Yes, that's what this Always reminds me field. of. One big roulette table. It's the worst bet on the uh, on the craps table. No, 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 no. But they're covering the field on the roulette table, and 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 the roulette table they have very high odds if you hit your point. Yeah, this is yeah, it's, it's and that's it's predatory. But but hey, look look look. Predatory. It's the American way. Is right? it predatory? Like, I'm yeah. waiting for Jason to pop this up. Look, there's this is this is there. I, there are so many conflicts here because if you look to say the Oakland Social Equity Program, but sorry, it's actually called the Race and Equity Program in Oakland. Um, that particular program disallowed participants, and there were several like this, that disallowed participants from selling their permit to anyone other than another social equity applicant. And so a couple years ago, when shit was popping and these licenses were worth something, they could not turn what they had done into generational wealth. They couldn't sell it. They were stuck with it no matter what, even if being able to sell it is what got them over the line. They couldn't bring people in properly for uh, investors to be interested. And so not allowing social equity individuals to monetize their investment is also like, it's, it's part of the problem, right? But then you find individuals that are willing to like every time there's a new rule or law put in place, there's a new workaround or loophole to to needle to to thread the needle Always. through, and so it's it's this. Who's losing are honestly the the workforce number one because we're super focused with with equity programs on entrepreneurship instead of jobs with dignity, which is where most people want to be. Is just give me a good job. Uh, one job with dignity, not having to work for, um, in, in order to, to earn a living. And so it's th the focus of where these dollars are going, um, is part of the problem, but we can't pretend that this is a good thing for a social equity applicant to sell out their opportunity for 20 K because these folks know that it's, it's worth way more than that. Way more millions. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very true. But um, um, this is, I mean, this is this is why, I mean, uh, me and Jason call it uh, so socialist equity. equity. Yep, exactly why. It's, it's, never going, it's never going to happen in America. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, I, I truly believe that the messaging from the jump was flawed uh, when you're promising people generational wealth, mm -hmm. number one. Um, a lot of people were sucked into opportunities that just did not come into fruition. Um, and we see that, you know, New York has gone through every phase of the bamboozlement that California has seen over the last seven years in their first 10 months of operation. Mm -hmm. Right. People are getting screwed over with this. And if you want to. Um, if you want to say that this is this is the this is the opportunity that they say they um, that they are given, like you're just you're just lying. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to anybody that you that that you spread that bullshit to mm -hmm. uh, as well. If, if you want to call this like reparations light or whatever, uh, what a lot of people are trying to uh, frame it as in the beginning, like just stop. It's not reparations. Um, if you don't know how to run a business, like chances are you're not going to succeed in mm -hmm. this industry. Um, if you do know how to run a business, chances are you're not going to succeed. <laughs> very true. <laughs> so, very, very true. We it was also about social equity is not reparations. Mm -hmm. It was also though about not two things, not locking people out that had been justice involved. Like that was one of the, the key tenets of the original. Like I was there fighting to make sure that that we weren't disallowing people that had been arrested, been in prison for weed to now not be allowed to own or run a business if that is what they chose. And, you know, at the end of the day, not 
and not take all the tax dollars and just put it back into rearresting people. Those were the two big goals, is let's not just keep doubling down in the neighborhoods and communities with more and more law enforcement by just dumping it into the general fund. Let's reinvest in the communities that were most impacted. And what reinvest in the communities turned into are these entrepreneurship programs only. And, and I'm just gonna go back to underlying workforce, you know, just good jobs with dignity. And there are a lot of social programs like early childhood development that are gonna have a lot more bang for your buck at the end of the day for improving these communities and their outcomes. Clean water in fucking Missouri is a great start. Just mm -hmm. saying. Right, right. Water. And on, on that, I think there's many ways we can reinvest. I just don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because there are yeah. good outcomes. The king of weed on Hate Street is the legal king of weed on Hate Street. He's he's been selling weed for over 20 years on Richard. Now he's legal. Now he's getting paid and getting pieces of companies because of his knowledge. That's a success story. That is a social equity uh, program success story. Uh, it, 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 let's not cut out the opportunity because of the yeah. failures. Let's address the failures and, and find the successes and uplift them and just rinse, wash, repeat. <laughs> you, know, you know you know, how I word that, Dale? You know how I always word that? Works. I, works. I, I always word that as don't make the bad the enemy of the good. I just, yeah, I just, want, I just want to, yeah, if, if you're in this and you have been in this, you've, you've poured everything into it, like I'm not telling anybody to quit. I'm not telling anybody to get out um, of the game. Like I, there's a lot of people who have stuck through it and have been successful. Like it's awesome. Uh, but we do have to recognize that they are exceptions to the rule, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's not an easy repeatable. Oh, entrepreneurship process. is exceptions to the rule though, Rico. Like that's my point is let's not only invest in the very few that, you know, what 5% make it. So go look at restaurants. 95% of restaurants fail in the first two years. Full stop. Just mm -hmm. bye. Right. The reason Period. the cannabis industry would be any different. There's no it, socialist equity, though, in the restaurant industry. Well, and maybe we should talk about reinvesting in communities for industries like tech. I'm all about oil. that. I'm, I'm all about that. I'm, I'm all yeah. about that. Yeah. And, uh, I could go on for days on that and some of the programs that were in But that's called taxes, previously. Jason. I'm sorry. We're about to get into a fist fight, aren't we? No, we're not. Never, never, never. I would Socialism. not do that. But take, yeah. take profits from giant corporations and reinvest in the communities? What a concept. Redistrib I'm sorry. Redistribution of wealth, Jason. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds it's like, so sounds like yeah, overtaxation with no representation. But nonetheless, we got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The Control Tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The Control Tower from Highly Educated. We're back. Introduced Universal Bank. We're back. Income to the hood. We're back. Up, up next, we have the man known best for smoking on the best weed in the world and his unwavering support of our very first socialist president, Stop Donald it. J. Trump. You're so full of it. <laughs> First socialist president. That was before him, bro. Coming to the stage next. Y'all know who it is. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Good morning, everybody. Hope you are all having a fantastic day today. Man, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You know, this city, they had no limit, no cap on licenses. But now the Palm Springs issues a temporary ban on new cannabis dispensaries while it considers changes that's right the palm Springs city council voted unanimously on thursday night to enact a temporary ban on new cannabis dispensaries however the council members did not yet seem to be on the same page about what if any long-term steps to take to address a industry that some of some of them say has become oversaturated 
and is on the decline. The moratorium, which was pitched as a way to give the council time to consider its options without letting more businesses open under the existing rules, will be in effect for the 45 days. However, the council will consider extending it at its next meeting on November 9th. A report provided to the council ahead of Thursday's meeting stated that cannabis tax revenues dropped for the second straight fiscal year in Palm Springs and have also been dropping in cities across the valley. The average amount of sales generated per dispensary has also been dropping in the city, which reported having 28 operating dispensaries in January. The council also discussed the several recommendations made by city staff ahead of the meeting about ways to manage the cannabis industry. Those recommendations included uh, capping the number of dispensaries at 15, prohibiting the sale or transfer of existing cannabis permits, and cutting in half the existing cannabis taxes, which are among the highest in the Coachella, Coachella Valley. While the council didn't make any decisions beyond implementing the moratorium, council members Jeffrey Bernstein and Lisa Middleton appeared to generally favor taking a more aggressive steps towards managing the cannabis industry and limit the number of dispensaries. Mayor Grace Gurner and council member Ron DeHarty generally voiced more uncertainty or skepticism about doing so. The fifth council member, Christy Holstage, uh, recused herself from the decision as she typically does on this topic because her spouse, because, because her spouse, Palm Springs real estate agent Adam Gilbert, has business ties to the cannabis industry. And Bernstein said he supports a cap because the allure of cannabis has led longtime businesses to lose their leases and landlords to raise their rents in areas popular with cannabis retailers, only for the dispensaries to eventually close. He also said that by letting cannabis businesses proliferate so much, the city has hurt an industry still in its infancy rather than helping it. In a quote, he says, I would rather help, he said. Middleton agreed with Bernstein and was also concerned about the industry's impact on the real estate market, especially in what she sees as the likely event that many of the existing dispensaries don't make it. However, she said that while cannabis taxes are higher in the city than surrounding ones, she believes oversaturation is is ailing the industry more than overtaxation. She said that she was open to cutting taxes but concerned about the hit to city revenues. In a quote, what we're seeing is city after city trying to cut their taxes significantly in order to save an industry that is just not that is just simply overpopulated with distribution points, she said. DeHarty said he did not understand the rationale for one of the proposals, which would which would um, which would anyone from owning which I don't they missed a word in this apparently it says which which would anyone from owning multiple dispensaries I guess they're trying to ban anyone from owning multiple dispensary locations in the city and said it seemed crazy to him that staff believe Palm Springs has the most dispensaries per capita in California Garner meanwhile said that if Palm Springs does cap the number of dispensaries the law should be written to ensure it maintains a variety of cannabis retail businesses including lounges where people can consume on site. She said that's important given that a large part of Palm Springs cannabis market is made up of tourists. She also said any consideration of instituting a cap must take into account not only the city's population but the number of tourists and suggested that staff provide the council with data on the impact of retail cannabis tax reductions in neighboring cities. While the city council may vote on extending the moratorium at its next meeting, any larger decisions will likely be made for some time. City staff said the next step would likely be to hold meetings with industry stakeholders to gather further data for the council to consider and discuss in the new year. So basically they're trying to kick the can down the road, but I want to see what y'all have to say. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think about this? crickets huh? so the crickets. point behind this was to try to protect the operators that were already there because of the extra competition in the coachella valley not just in palm springs and they were really really struggling um at the same time as the social equity program was trying to stand up more uh retail when uh retail was in saturating um there so you know what the easy solution for this is dale 
the super super easy solution is to is, is is to lower the taxes put a cap figure out whatever number that they want to have so let's just say that i think the article referenced that they have uh, over 22 or 25 dispensaries and so let's just say the city says oh you know what we don't want to have more than 15 Okay, cool. So set the cap at 15 and then whatever dispensaries close in between that time until you get to a number of below f- below 15, then at which point they could issue new licenses. And that's a super easy fix. It's, I don't understand why it's so difficult for these council members to get, get over that type of a hump. And right now they're just starting with no more. Mm-hmm. I, I understand Once that. Once you but- start to cap it, you get into a different set of issues, just saying, and that's also where corruption uh, blossoms. Yeah, but I, I I agree with you on that. But the thing is, is that most of the corruption blossoms in the at the point of 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 initial um, licensure, not opposed to once the businesses are already stand up and operational and they already are at a surplus of licenses. Yeah, and if there's only a certain limited number of licenses, they grow in value as exactly as other things happen. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, All six one hundred does the other. How do you pick how many? Is also one of the questions. You know, Oakland arbitrarily picked four mm-hmm. and suddenly that became like a one uh one per one hundred thousand kind of it, it was a weird or four per yeah i don't remember the math anymore but it, it was very it was completely arbitrary there were 12 doing very well and then mm-hmm. the mayor brown said four uh to your point mm-hmm. and then they just started dropping out those four uh became hella huge and popular and dominated in the area harborside so mm-hmm. You know, it's how do you choose how many as you go back to free market to a certain degree? Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I will agree with them that Palm Springs is way, way, way oversaturated. And that whole Coachella, Coachella Valley is super oversaturated with cannabis licenses. And it, it would be awesome if 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 Palm Springs could work out some deal with other municipalities that don't have. Um, uh, that basically don't have any licenses to migrate some of their licenses into other municipalities with some type of political trade-off or something. I think that would be the best thing for I'm laughing the because they can't even get their shit together in their own city, never mind go negotiate with another city. They can't even figure out how to pay each other taxes from sales that happen in each other's localities. Maybe so one of these cities wants some of their palm trees or something. Jason, does Palm Springs have a limit on how many liquor stores? Are there. Great a question. Or pharmacies? I I don't know, or, but at yeah, the same well, t- at the same time, I mean, you you can let the free market dictate on that, and I mean, technically, they they could do that too. Um, just let the free market free, market, free market free market dictate what happens in Palm Springs. But I I'm willing to bet that they're probably in the next few years you won't see more than 15 dispensaries in Palm Springs. Free market ain't free, man. It is free. Jason, you know what I find interesting about this article, uh, kind of looping into one of Dale's good points uh, regarding last article was this article talks a lot about taxes um, and if businesses don't survive, what that does to the tax revenue, et cetera, but doesn't speak to, you know, all of the jobs that are lost as well. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of people out there that, you know, may not be interested in entrepreneurship, but are, you know, looking for good, solid paying jobs that, you know, allow them to elevate professionally as well. Very true. Very, very true. There's a lot of people uh, that these businesses employ, and th- those are all members of the community as well. That's very true, Chris. Anyone else? All right. Well, By the way, some information. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Dr. Cathedral Jean. City is just outside of uh, – Cathedral City, yep. just outside of Palm Springs, Correct. is the number one uh, – has the most dispensaries per capita in California. Oh wow! Look at Santa Cruz, number two. two. Yeah, I had two clients in the same strip mall, like literally three stores away from each other Mm -hmm. in Cat City. Oh boy! Oh boy! Well, thank you so much for that. But coming up next, it is Dr. Gene Talleyrand, who has been writing recommendations longer than most of your parents have probably even been alive. That's right. He's the founder of CESC and the founder of Medican, where you get your recommendations. That's right. It is none other than Dr. Gene Talleyrand. Thanks. Uh, Happy Friday, everyone. Uh, Thanks, Jason. My article today is featured in the health and wellness section of the Wall Street Journal. Its title is, The Cannabis That People Are Using For Anxiety Is Probably Making It Worse. And there's a subtitle. It's uh, anxious consumers are looking for help 
and pot companies have promoted their product as an answer. This is by Andrea Peterson and Julie Warnow. So right off the bat, the title tells me where this article is going. When a journalist calls a cannabis organization a pot company, I don't think they've intended to create a balanced presentation of the story. The first sentence confirms my suspicion. Lots of people with anxiety are counting on cannabis' ability to treat their symptoms. There's a problem. The science shows that it probably doesn't help and may make those symptoms worse. I have patients who use it every day. They say it really helps, said Dr. Beth Salcedo, a psychiatrist and medical director of the Ross Center in Washington, D.C., who specializes in treating anxiety disorders. My message is that if it were really working for you, you wouldn't be here with me. The authors describe how promoting products for anxiety is potentially a lucrative market. They point out that the legal cannabis markets have been making $30 billion, should have making $30 billion, but only have been making half, according to the Harvard economist Jeffrey Myron. They failed to point out that the industry has been handcuffed by government regulations. In support of cannabis, the authors quote the titans of the cannabis industry. Erwin David Simon, CEO of Tilray, says, is it to replace alcohol, pain for cancer patients, sleep, anxiety, it's gluten for all the above. And Consumer recently conditions and insomnia and misrepresents the scientific studies on cannabis and anxiety. Reader beware. To story straight, I'd like to explain anxiety. Anxiety is a natural and a useful tool when a person's under stress or danger. I know I wouldn't have completed my medical training without a little anxiety. Now anxiety becomes problematic when it's associated with dysfunction. Anxiety can be a double-edged sword. It can be good or it can be bad. And so it's to be managed, but it can't be eliminated. The problem with pharmaceutical drugs like Valium, Ativan, or Xanax is that they temporarily eliminate anxiety without the patient learning how to manage it. Everyone has the potential for anxiety and everyone should learn how to manage it when it occurs. Cannabis helps patients both recognize anxiety and alleviate the symptoms, but it's not a panacea. At higher doses or after use, it can provide, provoke anxiety. Patients respond by adjusting the dose or step, stopping cannabis altogether. That's possible because withdrawal symptoms from cannabis are minor compared to the benzodiazepine. This health and wellness feature article describes two people one who benefited from cannabis and one who didn't. And perhaps that's the point. It's what happens in the real world. Some people benefit from cannabis and some don't. And people who use it, use it because it works. It's also beneficial to talk to a therapist to help manage your anxiety. And if you happen to be living in DC with anxiety and are in need of an understanding psychiatrist, who sees your cannabis use for what it is, uh, please try not to consult Dr. Beth Salcedo. This is Dr. Joel Talleyrand with Hype 9 News. Oh, man. Shots fired, Dr. T. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) We found all the idiots in this article. Oh, man. That was awesome, bro. That was awesome. Yeah. Man, I mean, anxiety. I mean, I, I mean, doesn't this kind of just uh, go along with the other trend? Is that people that that already suffer from schizophrenia shouldn't probably smoke cannabis because because of that? And this just falls into that same type of a uh, type of category, Doctor T. Well, I wouldn't even say that. I have schizophrenics as patients who manage their symptoms very well with cannabis, and mm-hmm. so. 
Um, you know, it's a one-on-one -on -one thing. Some people it benefits and some it doesn't, like most substances. And so to villainize it is the problem. And this is what this article is trying to do, try to villainize cannabis. Quick, 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 quick question, Dr. T, because pharmaceutical drugs, all right, generally only help about 10% of the population that it's designed to help. Do you think that that as far as with cannabis that it helps a higher percentage than what pharmaceutical drugs do as far as with um, helping members of those populations? Yeah, I, I didn't have, I don't have those numbers, so I can't back that up in terms of the pharmaceutical, but I think we do have some numbers on cannabis, about 20% are using it in, in, uh, in uh, Canada. Uh, so I, we're just finding out. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, you, you know, who knows? So based it could on, be 20, it could be 30%. So, so based on those. Well, and we're also usually oh, we're measuring people that have problems. Like part of the problem is we often only look at the people that are having problems and then reverse engineering. Oh, and used cannabis. We're not looking at all the people that have no problems and use cannabis. They're not presenting and they're not admitting to what else they're consuming. And, and Jason, I think earlier you might've been conflating triggers the first psychotic episode or the first um where where you didn't know you had a problem mm -hmm. until and then i would point out that there's a holy list of other things that are often the trigger for that first episode that are not cannabis that happen more often than cannabis being that first trigger so it's 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 in search of the problem in a, in a way that is is not honest because we're not taking an honest slice of the American pie. We're only scooping the problems off the top and then staring at that, looking for the connection. Well, you know, America loves the froth, Dale. <laughs> it is frothy. <laughs> well said. Frothy. Yes, yes. How do you answer that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, that was that was great. Thank you so much for that, Doctor T. We appreciate that. We're gonna go to a commercial. And we're gonna be right back. Relying on 25 years of commercial hydroponic experience, King Solomon Nutrients has engineered the best liquid and dry fertilizer products for cannabis that preserves the crop, the soil, and the environment through relentless passion, research, and innovation. King Solomon has developed simplified cannabis crop nutrition you can trust. It was created for farmers by farmers. Don't mess around. Try the crown. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. And also, too, please make sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you have not subscribed already. And all of the articles that you hear on today's show, you can read at our website at www.hyatt9news.com. Make sure you check it out today. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. <laughs> I suggest you look up all the definitions of froth in the Urban Dictionary before you do oh, that. Oh, man. Oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. Yeah, here we go. I should appreciate the, the, the tip. I am not a massive small bubbles, uh, but I am a heavy substance. So thank you, Dr. Mark. Could be, could be a frothy only, only tip. Maybe lippy is I'll better. Be <laughs> <laughs> they are bringing the heat on this yeah. Friday morning. All right, so up next, this fellow dope dad's a former police officer who traded in his issue gun and badge for a blunt and a notepad. Now a security consultant at CC Security Solutions breaking off us off with a little Friday knowledge guaranteed to improve our chances of weekend survival. It's Chris Eggers. Rico Lamy, great to see you, buddy. Thanks for the Hello, everybody. My fellow correspondents, hope everyone's uh, week's going amazing. My article today comes out of Siskiyou County. And the headline reads, police discover 4,400 pounds of marijuana during Siskiyou County traffic stop. Uh, during the traffic stop, um, they found 44 pounds of marijuana after a police officer pulled over a 43-year-old driver from Hollywood, California, for ignoring a stop sign. 
because of ignoring the stop sign, according to police, that driver almost crashed into a semi-truck along State Route 97. According to Facebook post from the Siskiyou County Sheriff's Office, uh, the driver apologized for the near uh, accident and then opened the trunk to reveal the marijuana, which he bought from, he says he bought from a legal farm uh, in the Shasta Vista area. Uh, here's a quote from the from the article. Uh, I'm sorry, from the Facebook post. None, quote, none of the cannabis had the proper labeling as required by the cannabis. Uh, California Department of Cannabis Control, the DCC, which allows dispensaries to verify that the product is, is legally and safely produced and permitted for commercial sale, the post said. Uh, through further conversation, it was revealed that the cannabis was headed to a licensed Los Angeles area dispensary for which the driver worked. Uh, also discovered in the vehicle was a backpack with approximately $16,000 in cash and a notebook documenting previous cannabis purchases. The driver was uh, cited by the, uh, for violating the California Health and Safety Code, according to this post. Uh, and then the post went on to say that the discovery uh, is a trend that we are seeing in Siskiyou County, where licensed dispensaries are buying illegally grown marijuana from the Mount Shasta Vista and Butte Valley areas. Said the post, marijuana grown from these locations is often treated with unregulated and highly toxic pesticides that are banned in California. When marijuana is grown illegally, like we predominantly see in the Siskiyou County, cultivators may not adhere to the same health and safety regulations that legal growers are subject to. And as a, as a result, the products may be highly toxic, end quote. That was all from the uh, Sis Siskiyou County Sheriff's Office Facebook page post. So um, I think... You know, this article lends itself to a few different discussions. Um, appreciate you letting me contribute on this Friday. Uh, again, hope everybody had a great week and great to see you guys. Curious what you think, Chris. This so so this guy this guy crashed and then they found they found all the all this uh, all this product near near crash. He uh, allegedly ran a stop sign, almost caused a, an accident, uh, and that's when he was he you was know, pulled over. I feel I feel like that's going around because there was another story this morning in in Temple City in L.A. where two people were arrested after a U-Haul truck filled with bags of marijuana crashed into the gates of a police and fire station in Sierra Madre. So yep. This is this is this this all that headline. Yeah, this is something that's going 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 around the town apparently. So listen, uh, this this the driver was cited, um, and it looks like cited and released. I didn't pull up the uh, Siskiyou County Jail records, but. Um, as they say, Jason, uh, don't break the law when you're breaking the law. Exactly. Break one law at a time. One law at a time. That's what we teach at Oaksterdam. You teach one, one law, law break one law at a time? Break one law at a time. So that means, that means like, law. if you're at home stealing cable, that means don't have an illegal grow at your house. Indeed. And if you have a lot of cannabis in your <laughs> trunk, don't run a stop sign. Don't run into the back of a police truck. It's just. Yeah. What, 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 what about California stops? Jason, all the things. What's that? Chris? I would argue, I would, Jason, I would argue with you. Instead of saying if you're stealing cable, don't have a, an illegal grow, I would more uh, appropriately reward that and say if you have an illegal grow, don't steal cable. How about that? I mean, yeah, if people still steal cable. Cable still exists. Yeah, hundred percent, it does. I, that's a good I point. God, I just have a and catalytic converter stolen out of my. Yes. See, see, people steal all kinds yeah, of stuff. People are thirsty right, right yes. there. People are thirsty like the plants in the back. And also pay your taxes on all that illegal money you're making. Just saying. How do you pay your taxes on illegal money, Dale? That sounds like a you whole pay other... your taxes on all your money. Sam don't care. <laughs> ah, Sam how does. you made it. That part we're, is we're true. in the middle of a world water crisis right now. Yes. There's so much thirst out there. Yeah, so much but, thirst in the streets. But on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, Yee! yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Yee!
Oh, yes, that's right. Coming up next, she is the chancellor in charge over at Oaksterdam University. And that's right. She is here to tell you all about what you're doing wrong in life. That's right. It is none other than the keeping up with the Joneses herself, Mrs. Dale Sky Jones. Good Lord. I am here to be your head of hope today. Yeah. Mr. Jones. I, hot coffee. I Thank love you, hope. Jones. I love hope, Mrs. Jones. Uh, we need we need a little hope in the world right now. It is particularly rough. So this Bring one, up. yes, a little more lighthearted, a little closer to home. Actually, it's calling from inside the house, most likely. Uh, this story is coming to us from the New York Times, very substantial, by Shreder Papu. Uh, like many spouses, Kindred Spirits has a lot of marital grievances, but hers are not like everyone else's. There was a time when her husband, Peter, left an envelope with thousands of dollars of cash on the roof of his car and drove off. Or the time he left their son's car seat on the side of the road. No indication the child was in the car seat at the time. Um, so, yeah. Being married to a stoner can be really frustrating, Mrs. Sparks said. It really tests your patience when you are clear-headed and when your partner is not. Miss Sparks is one half of this new kind of American couple. I don't think it's all that new, folks. Uh, made up of one person who partakes in cannabis use and one who does not. And with adult use cannabis, or as they call it, recreational marijuana, now legal in more than 20 states, a joint or cannabis gummy has become as routine as a glass of Chardonnay in some quarters. But as the drug enters the mainstream of American social life, the rules surrounding its usage can be, well, hazy. As many couples are trying to figure out how to fit it into their lives with the least disruption. Now, this particular article goes on for quite a while to talk about several different couples and how they've reached various compromises on cannabis. Um, for one couple who's, who both work in the cannabis industry, the husband smokes and the wife stopped smoking uh, when she became pregnant with her first child and never went back to it. Uh, their compromise is the husband consumes gummies after the wife and kids go to bed. Uh, later in the article, the chief executive of a matchmaking firm said that the issue of uh, adult use cannabis had come up more in the last couple of years among her clients. If you are a smoker or enjoy edibles or whatever, you have to communicate that openly and effectively with your partner. And then as partnership going forward, you have to decide how to compromise if the other person does not enjoy the activity and you do. Um, rather than read the details because all of us have or have had partners i thought it would also be a little bit fun to save the time um for talking about it because i know in my personal life like similar to discussions about you know in anyone's life drinking socially drinking i think is another really clear example of needing to have that clear communication not just of where and how often um, one might be drinking, but also if you're drinking, you know, not just socially, but home alone by yourself, uh, when maybe the kids could use a bath. Um, so it could also potentially be comparable to, uh, you know, an obsessive hobby um, or just a strong hobby. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and throw in <laughs> religious practices, which might be hot for some people. But I say that because cannabis truly does reach a fervor um, as, as truly important to some people, especially if they're viewing it as their medicine or their little helper that gets them through the day. Um, and while cannabis isn't as chemically addictive as cigarettes or alcohol, um, and cigarettes are, you know, secondhand smoke, um, alcohol behaviors, those around you increases in domestic violence and accidents, you know, cannabis is truly a harm reduction technique. And I, I wonder what these partners might be utilizing as their crutch if they didn't have cannabis as well. Um, I left an alcoholic years ago. Uh, alcohol was a major uh, inflection for my, uh, my grandmother. Um, my grandfather died of alcoholism and, you know, it's living with an alcoholic is, uh, you know, talk about leaving a thousand bucks on the roof. Let me tell you about the thousands of dollars lost in gambling at the bar. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, pick, pick a problem. Um, and, and, you know, to the point of forcing a partner to give up something that they care about, 
um, in order to be with you. One of one of these women actually said she divorced her first husband because she felt he smoked too much cannabis, and now her second husband smokes cannabis, but that's okay. Um, it, it's it's it, it also just makes me wonder how much of this is societal pressure and stigma um, versus you know just the behaviors of an absent-minded jackass who also happens to enjoy cannabis. Um, cannabis doesn't make you stupid. It's just stupid people also like cannabis. And it's not causation. It's correlation, once again, as we talked about it. So, um, yeah, I'd love to open up that conversation. Oh, man. I mean, isn't this what man caves are for, Dale? Woman caves? I mean, I did not marry an army boy because I sat down and realized, oh, shit, I'm never going to be able to smoke weed again. And I realized I loved cannabis more than him. Mm -hmm. Like, it's shit's real. Mm -hmm. And then Jeff brought me flowers. Oh, look at that. Was it a weed flower? Like the one in the back? Yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> never been a fan of cut flowers because I always felt like it was a waste of money. And then years in, I made a comment that I liked Jeff because he didn't waste money on flowers. And he, he like, his whole face just so crushed. He's like, I brought you so many flowers when we were dating. And I'm like, oh, mm he -hmm. did. You know what? <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I always, I always, I always, you know, anytime I give, uh, women weed i'll be like this is your flowers here you go these are Enjoy. your flowers yes these are your flowers these are the flowers you like better i married a grower that's who yes. i married and had kids with see see Dan. it's better than the plant behind me he's mad at me i don't do well growing i forgot to water it for just, two days just, so please don't blame just some water just not some me water. i teach politics and science i do not teach growing they'll teach you all about watering plants at Oaksterdam university i am not as thirsty as my plant i have mr jones um <laughs> yes but we're going to be in so much trouble. For yeah. this. Oh, man, this is great. He's teaching Garden Club right now, so he can't hear me. Oh, um, don't don't worry. Well, I'll make sure to text him the link to this episode. Tell him later, yeah. and then I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to send him the yes. link to this episode so he can make sure to tune in and watch it later. Oh, you're just a stand-up guy, Jason. Well, I, I do. I'm here. I'm here for the people. You just got to communicate. That's the point of the story. Just communication. I mean, don't you find it a little... Enrico, you're on, Rico, you're on mute. But don't you find it a little um, hypocritical of the, the woman who was with one husband and didn't like cannabis consumption and then all of a sudden got a new one and now she's cool with it? Or do you think she yeah. just evolved on the issue when, like when, other politicians? When I was out there in them streets, man, I was out there uh, uh, single. Uh, that was a huge red flag. If she didn't smoke weed, I, I would not. If as a prerequisite you got you gotta it's, love weed and gotta love dogs it's actually that cheaper it. bro it's actually cheaper like though dogs. rico it's actually cheaper if she doesn't like, like, weed. like weed it's cheaper if she cheaper doesn't, like, she doesn't weed. like weed yeah then it's like it's like one less thing cheaper. i used to think i was a cheap date because i'm a vegetarian who didn't drink what, but... what, what can't you bring her own man i'm a feminist she can, she, can, she can bring her shit to the party you know what i'm saying oh you're a feminist now interesting you can interesting. be a, you can be a uh, part-time provider Part-time supporter, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm a feminist oh, when I'm cutting clones. I'm a feminist when I'm cutting clones, Rico. It's not in my household. In my household, it's it's man work. See? Yeah. It's man work. Good. <laughs> he grows the flowers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the man work is providing, and that's what that does is provide. So he's tilling, he's tilling right. the land. He's an excellent provider. Shout out yes. to the Joneses out there. Keeping up with the Joneses yeah. today. Anybody else, anybody else on the team? Yeah, yeah, everyone got quiet. I'm like, let's talk about our partners. Y'all are like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I got crickets up here. Yeah. Y'all want to talk about? <laughs> Why don't we take a poll in the chat here on YouTube? And so the folks who are in YouTube. Y'all still in the shadows? Is your spouse smoke or not? Yes or no? Adam, can you throw a poll up in the chat? Do Does your spouse smoke? Yes or no? So I, I think you, you guys know that my story was I went to a Grateful Dead concert, I smelled the weed, and I was like, I want to smoke the weed that I smell at the Grateful Dead concert, which was really great NorCal weed that was coming across the country out to New Jersey and New York. And then I said, well, I looked around at all the girls at the Grateful Dead, I said, I want to marry myself a Grateful Dead smoking girl. And that's what I did. And I'm 27 years married, happily married. And uh, I think that's the secret to my success. We're love good that. girls. Love that. Congrats, so, Dr. So, so, Mark. 
Yeah, so we got to keep it rolling. We're running out of, we're, oh, there's Stone. There's Stone. There's Stone. What's going on, Stone? Oh, Stone must want to talk about his man cave. Surprise. Oh, want to come so. talk about his Go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah, this highly recognized expert in organic chemistry specialized in natural product chemistry, plant oil extraction analysis, and chemical modification. But what y'all didn't know about Dr. Mark Sheldoni is that he, around Halloween each year, he suits up in the shadows, calling out boof cart peddlers coast to coast as the urban legendary hero, Professor Dark Calzone. Coming to the stage, Dr. Mark, what you got for us today, my man? Hey, thanks, Rico, for the introduction. Rico, it's again great to have you back. You look great. You sound great. Um, well, we're going to talk uh, about my favorite and our favorite THC isomer, Delta-8. So my story comes from the marijuana moment. It's entitled, Nebraska Attorney General Files Lawsuits Over Delta-8 Products on Store Shelves. And the, the quote, I don't know if this is a quote from the governor or a quote from somebody in state, but the quote in the article is, we know Delta-8 is a bad chemical. It's a bad drug, and it hurts people. Close quotes. Oh, I don't know where they're getting that information from. But anyway, pointing to what he called mislabeled and dangerous THC-containing products made to look like nerds, Fritos, and other child-enticing treats, Nebraska's Attorney General on Wednesday announced an unprecedented unprecedented action to protect consumers. The accumulation of a month-long investigation, attorney Mike Ogers, who's a Republican, by the way, <laughs> uh, said his office has filed lawsuits against retailers in at least 10 counties across the state alleging violations of consumer protection and deceptive trade practices. His focus is on Delta-8 products. And he says the lawsuit filed Wednesday are separate from any pending criminal investigations by area law enforcement agents. Agencies, I'm sorry. In 2018, the Farm Bill opened up the hemp industry nationally, putting a legal limit on Delta-9 THC, but not addressing regulation of Delta-8. States have been grappling with this loophole. And then they show an image of the uh, Nebraska Attorney General's tweet on X, and it says, Today our office launched a major statewide action against retailers selling mislabeled and deceptive THC-containing products that present dangers to Nebraskans. Of 100 items that were tested during the probe by the Attorney General's office, Ilger said about 15% were inaccurately labeled or labeled uh, for in, uh, that were clearly labeled for ingredients and potency. The synthetic process by which Delta-8 is manufactured can inject harmful solvents, heightening his alarm. It's a Russian roulette that Nebraskans are losing, said Hilgers. At least one of the proprietors who is targeted, however, criticized the Attorney General's action as a political stunt aimed at instilling fear in Nebraskans. The Attorney General uh, is saying, we are misleading, we are not, said Kim Rockwell, owner of vape shops in Lincoln and Keith counties that are being sued. He said uh, he was blindsided by the ac accusations which he first heard about Wednesday from reporters and stands on his operations uh, and stands by his operation as being legal. Another shop owner noted that a retailer uh, she gets cannabis product from large vendors that come with a certificate of analysis. In the states, uh, testing showed that the discrepancy with Tracy Wild Smith of Greenhouse Grandma's in Dog County, by all means, it shall be taken off the shelf. So they're saying if if it doesn't meet the COA, they'd take it off the shelf. However, Wild Smith 
said she uh, also was unaware of the state's worries and as of Wednesday evening, hadn't even gotten any notice of any legal action. Lawsuits, among other things, alleged that the business model targeted shops, including Grandma's Greenhouse, to entice, ultimately, and snare Nebraska's most vulnerable consumers, uh, teenagers and children. The Attorney General contends that the maximum financial gains of the retailers misled the public about the dangers of their THC-containing product. During the news conference, Hilgard shows pictures of brand name products such as Fritos and Nerds alongside uh, products containing THC. As part of the action, the state has sent letters to companies, uh, to the companies of Frito-Lay and Ferrera Candies who own those trademarks. We presume that without your knowledge or license or intellectual property rights are being infringed here in Nebraska, one letter said. Letters signed by Hilgers also invoked the upcoming Halloween trick-or-treating custom, saying that real candy undoubtedly will be the popular choice and it should be protected. Real candy should be protected. Do they know how much diabetes is in this country? Uh, forget it, sorry. Um, the Attorney General also, uh, also had issued consumer protection warnings to help educate parents, teachers, and families about the dangers of these products. Calls uh, to other uh, dispensaries targeted by the office were not immediately answered. A manager of Chasing Clouds Vape in Columbus, for example, referred a reporter to a owner in Norfolk and calls there went unanswered. A person answering the phone at the cannabis factory in Lincoln the store uh, said that the store is not commenting on the reporter's uh, pending investigation. Uh, it goes on and talks to a couple um, uh, uh, other shop owners. You know, I did a little homework, and what I found is that they don't even have medical in Nebraska. They have nothing. Cannabis is completely illegal. So this is just all, again, vape shops that are selling hemp-derived cannabinoids that are crossing state lines. But, you know, if you smoke a joint of real cannabis, on the corner outside one of these stores, you'll get arrested for smoking cannabis. I think they've actually reduced it down to civil infractions in most major populated areas of Nebraska. But there is a um, uh, an organization called um, uh, Nebraska's for Medical Marijuana. So there is sort of a movement in the state pushing this thing forward. But this is, again, the state uh, coming after these Delta-8 and hemp-derived um, psychoactive cannabinoids that are coming in, into the state. Uh, I'd like to hear what everyone else has to think. That's my story for today. Dr. Mark from the shores here of Lake Champlain in the beautiful state of Vermont. Love to hear what you guys have to say. Open up the market. Mm -hmm. yeah, Nebraska is fervently against yeah. all this legalization, medical and otherwise. Mm -hmm. Nas Nebraska is a nasty, nasty place. And the Dakotas. Yes. Yeah, I just, I oh, both, both Nebraska and Kansas, which neighbor Colorado, I think, actually set up stings just over the state yeah. line because they know that cars with East Coast plates should be pulled over because most likely they're bringing contraband from Colorado through their non-legal state. Dale, and I think, wasn't there a, 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 not a federal case, but I thought that what, um, I thought Kansas or one of Colorado's neighboring states was trying to sue Colorado. <laughs> yeah, that, their, was, that, their was, that was a while ago. I remember that. Yes, yes. Over Two states were trying to sue Colorado. Yep. Yes. And, and that, yep. yeah, I think it was Kansas and Nebraska, actually. It was Kansas and yeah. Nebraska. Right. Yes. Yep. They want it in the corn. Yeah. Well, not to mention, too, uh, Dr. Mark, you know, a lot of uh, Colorado plates are profiled when they cross into Nebraska or to Kansas as well, uh, just automatically assuming that they are going to have contraband inside the vehicle. That well, was the case they, long they, before they cannabis was sign on the, Yeah. So, 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 sometime I heard that they put a fake sign on the interstate there, I-70, saying that there's a checkpoint coming up. And so the exit just before the checkpoint, 
that's where the cops are, right? So they see all these people pulling over at that exit because they need to readjust their oh, shit. Oh, that's a good. That's a good. Uh, that's I like that. That's that's a good one. I'm not mad at that. I'm not. Well, mad the at people that. who get busted that way don't like that at all. <laughs> oh man, I'm just I'm just saying, you know, you got to get creative nowadays. And that's that's you pretty can't creative. Hate for the the yeah. Player. Yeah. Exactly. Game. Exactly. Don't hate the player. <laughs> well, hate the and, game. And exactly. And what, what, what I can tell you, because I actually know some farmers out there, is that I believe Nebraska and Kansas still has feral hemp growing, like in ditches and wow. in the sides Absolutely. of roads, because, because when hemp was being grown for the war effort around uh, 1943 yeah. and 1944, yep. mm -hmm. those seeds just sort of went to the wind. And so there is still feral hemp. And those are the two states where you find it, Nebraska and Kansas. Interesting you call it feral and the hemp. Dakotas. Interesting you call it feral hemp. What would you call it? I, I just call it hemp. You know what I mean? Just natural, organic hemp, just living off the land, you know? Like Dave, maybe wow. Davy Jones. Maybe Davy Jones hemp, something like that, you know? Sucking off the teat of America. Is that, is that what's going on, Jason? No, it's actually it's actually cleaning the oh, cleaning yeah. the soil and remediating all the farmland, everything, all of that stuff, Rico. It's making America better. It's working. It's working. Tricking right. dumb teenagers. It's a working plant. Mm -hmm. Hemp. Hemp. Make America great again. That's again. right. And, and again. <laughs> but thank you all. For joining us for the yet another week of High at Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen and live audience and online supporters, catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the daily headlines of chaos we also call the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table as well. To our production team and all of our sponsors, keeping the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. And uh, always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines daily. Thank you. It has been Friday, October 27th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the week's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Monday. And um, Dale Scott Jones, you got the outro today. Welcome back. Oh, good, good Lord. I am not ready. All right. Well, first and foremost, I hope you have a very fun safe, happy, healthy, spooky Halloween. I brought my black kitten to the party, meet Skunky Duckling, and hopefully, yeah, she's not happy to be here right now. <laughs> hopefully you have a beautiful weekend, and yeah, keep looking for that hit of hope. Take care of yourself, take care of one another. If you can, definitely take care of someone else, and you know, just stay high at nine, and the rest of the time, if you can handle it. Beautiful day, and an even better weekend.